Welcome to episode 170 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are looking at Season 7, Episode 21, Je Suis. The original air date was May 20th, 2011. The IMDb user score is 8.6 out of 10. And the action primarily takes place in the state of Missouri. A rather lazy worker at a storage facility is tasked with emptying out 407. Since the bill has finally come due, they need to clean everything out. It hasn't been claimed. When he moves a carpet, he finds there's something or someone living inside, unrolls it, and uncovers a genie. His boss shows up angry and yelling at him because, frankly, Anson has deserved some sort of uncaring treatment. He really is terrible at his job and doesn't care to be good at his job. So he wishes his boss would stop shouting, and his boss's mouth disappears, seals over. That's the end of the teaser. Shows up in Muller's office after the teaser with his mouth now cut open. Surgeons had to make him a new mouth. Painful stitches. So Mulder and Scully look into it, and they finally track down Anson, who's got a huge boat in front of his house. And they realize that the young woman that they saw with Anson is actually a genie. And Mulder realizes it first, but it takes him a while before he shares that idea with Scully. Anson ends up dying after he wishes he could turn invisible and crosses a crosswalk. So yeah, the lights were flashing, but the drivers can't see him crossing. Well, they hit him anyway. His body was discovered by a cyclist who crashed over him. So Scully is doing the autopsy on a legitimate invisible ban, and she's excited. Earlier in the episode, she was back to her old skeptical self but now she's got the undeniable proof in front of her. Meanwhile, Anson's brother Leslie is making wishes of his own, including bringing Anson back from the dead, although he's still horribly damaged. He screams when he's allowed to talk again, tries to warm up by starting the oven, but he has such a hard time with it. A lot of gas comes out and ends up blowing up the trailer that they live in. Ultimately, though, Mulder ends up in possession of the genie. First, he wishes for peace on Earth, which is accomplished by leaving him as the only person left alive on Earth. He undoes the wish in Skinner's office, where Skinner then wonders how he got there and chews him out because he was chewing out the genie at the time. And in his final wish, he releases the genie from her miserable life as a genie, lets her live out the rest of her life as a human being again. I actually found the comedy worked better this time than in the previous episode, Fight Club. This one really felt like, yeah, they hadn't done genies yet, so we should do that, and figured a way to work with it. I think it's notable, Vince Gilligan we have seen as a writer many times. We know he's one of the better writers of the series. He also made his directorial debut with this episode. He would direct an episode again later in the series, so this is his first of two directing jobs with the X-Files. The rest of his directing credits are with Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and the untitled Breaking Bad movie that's filming right now. The cast includes Paula Sorge, or Sorge, S-O-R-G-E, as the genie. She's got 20 credits to her name. Her known for list includes this episode of The X-Files, The Gamer's Guide to Pretty Much Everything, and Lewis and Clark and George. 
in which she played Tammy. So not a whole lot of very high-profile work. She did well in this role, and I, I only found out reading trivia afterwards that the role was written with Jeanine Garofalo in mind. Hearing that, I could see that Jeanine Garofalo would nail the part, but at no point does Paula's performance feel like she's just imitating Jeanine Garofalo. She just comes in and plays the part as written, does it well. So, yeah, she did well in the role. I'm actually kind of surprised she hasn't had a more prolific or high-profile career based on this performance. Now, Leslie Stokes, the second brother in this, is played by Will Sasso. He's Curly in the live-action Three Stooges movie. He was also in Southland Tales, Happy Gilmore, and Drop Dead Gorgeous, where he was Hank Vilms. That's honestly the one that I associate with him when I see it. And it actually took me until checking the IMDb to really place him from Drop Dead Gorgeous. Not just because he puts on a lot of weight for that role compared to this role, but his entire body language and demeanor changes dramatically. So again, sign of a talented actor here. Kevin Wiseman plays Anson, the other brother. 74 acting credits to his name, best known for Alias, Runaways, Clerks 2, and Scorpion. He was Marshall Flinkman in 105 episodes of Alias. That's probably what he's best known for. Although his career goes back to 1994 as Brad Resnick in Ollywoo, including uncredited roles in The Rock and things like that. Now, Paul Hayes plays Jay Gilmore. He is the boss in that storage facility, also known for Black Dynamite, Chaplin, and Rat Race. 65 acting credits to his name. Brett Bell plays a morgue attendant. His only other IMDb credits after this come in the year 2004. So this is his first credit. He does stunts for the X-Files Resist or Serve video game. He's also the motion capture actor for X-Files Resist or Serve, that video game. And finally, he's an on-set medic for the TV movie Murder Without Conviction, which makes me wonder if he genuinely is an on-set medic in real life, and that's why they had him wheeling in the dolly. So that's the basic rundown of this episode. It is one of the more entertaining ones. Now, considering this whole series was mapped out, thinking it was going to be the series finale, it's kind of surprising that the second last episode doesn't do a whole lot to contribute to the big picture. It's possible that when they thought the series was going to end, that they had a slightly different ending in mind, some other part of Mulder's wish, but that doesn't really seem to wash. It's in character for Mulder to try and make the perfect wish the first time, mess it up, have to use the second wish to undo the first wish. And before he finally makes his third wish, he was trying to go legalese and write it out in great detail to leave no loopholes, make sure it really is something that helps the world. And it's Scully saying, you know what, maybe the journey is what matters. Maybe we're not supposed to wish it away. That convinces him to change his mind and just release the genie. As far as evaluating the science is concerned, there's not much science to evaluate when genies are involved. Mulder flat out says that science has no explanation. This is magic. It's the genie. And that's really what you have to do. I mean, wiping out all life on Earth, creating the boat, just violation of conservation of energy alone accounts for so much of this. The only other part of this that really 
sort of greats that I didn't even notice the first time is that Scully was much more open to the paranormal the episode prior than she was this time, which really does feel, again, like the episode prior was a filler that they came up with at the last minute once they'd figured out where things were going to be looking and where they were going to be going in the next season. They may not have known all of that when this episode was mapped out. But that's all we have to say about Josuete. So come back in two weeks' time when we check out Requiem, the season seven finale, which bears all the fingerprints of being originally plotted as the series finale. Thank you for listening.